Good morning to you, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVY, the voice of the in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser, and wishing all of you, our listeners, and uh, Mr. Matt Neely making the magic happen on the other side of the glass, a happy Friday we made it. It feels like a whirlwind. You wake up on Monday, you sit in the seat a few times, it's Friday, and uh, I'm always glad it is. Matt, happy Friday to you and to uh, to everybody listening. Finally, a Friday. Happy Friday, Zach, and uh, perfect for today when it's going to be a warm day in the Old Pueblo. Happy National Iced Tea Day, which sounds really go. good on a hot there day. There we go. Um, everybody should go get a cup. Of, I see. I have. I have some sparkling water. I have some coffee. I don't have the iced tea yet, but I had a glass yesterday. It was refreshing. Yesterday was not only hot, but kind of muggy as well. So, um, indeed, I, I swear I felt a few drops of rain on my way home on the west side. I know I did. It was unmistakable. The clouds were forming, and then they said, "Nope, not until the fifteenth. We're just not going to do it." So, <laughs> but rain is coming. Chubasco, it's coming. You very well may have felt a few drops, Zach. I, I did. Think it was a little, little bit out there. It was unmistakable. Yeah, it was toying with us. Uh, looking forward to today's show. It's been a little bit since we had my first guest on the program. Uh, the second half, we'll start there. Kim Owens will be with us. She's a Republican running for the Arizona Corporation Commission. Reached out and said, let's have a conversation on the show. I rarely say no. So we're going to have that conversation. Looking forward to it. George Hammond is with us in studio uh, to debrief his latest uh, Southern Arizona economic outlook. We're going to talk the good, the bad, the ugly. And there's actually some really good data in here as well. So, George, good to see you and great to be with you in person. Thanks for coming by. Yeah, good to see you, Zach. So maybe we start with a broader national level conversation and then I want to spend most of the time talking Southern Arizona. The, inf- the inflation that we are seeing right now is really a once in a 40 to 50 year period. It's well known to everybody at this point. We haven't seen these kind of numbers since the late 70s, early, early 80s. George, are we headed to a recession. By the way, you're a well-known economist from the University of Arizona. I just assume everybody knows who you are, but you're an economist. This is your trade. Uh, Are we headed to a recession? And will the Fed be able to execute what's called a soft landing? Uh, thanks, Zach. And uh, my bosses always appreciate when I get the Eller College of Management where I work into the conversation. <laughs> yes. So the University of Arizona. Uh, I usually do that too, but I just so excited to have you here. So just jumped right in. <laughs> So that, you know, the big question a year ago was, will we see inflation really accelerate, driven in part by supply chain issues and by the uh, significant amounts of federal income support that were provided to the economy uh, nationwide? And we, uh, we did wind up getting that uh, significantly accelerated inflation at the same time that we saw a, really a, a record recovery in the job market. You know, unemployment rate nationally is at 3.6%. Here in Arizona, we're seeing an all-time low in the unemployment rate. I think the same is true here in Tucson. But, uh, you know, with, when inflation is running at, uh, at the highest rates we've seen in 40 years, that brings the Federal Reserve to the fore. And uh, they have uh, have begun to raise interest rates significantly, and they'll continue to do so until they believe that um, that they've set the stage for slowing inflation. And the risk there is that 
Uh, that can generate slower, that will generate slower growth as we go uh, through this year into next year. And if, if the Fed has to, they will slow growth enough that it turns into a recession. We don't know how that's going to play out, but certainly the, the risk is elevated that, that we may slip into a recession, um, particularly next year and even into 2024. So the risks are, are elevated mm-hmm. at the moment. Um, the, you know, the, certainly the, the more restrictive monetary policy is on the way. And we, uh, we are seeing a situation where the federal income support that we saw during the pandemic, that's gone now. So growth will slow, do, driven by that. And, you know, there are supply chain risks that are still out there in the economy. And, you know, geopolitical risks such as the Russian invasion of Ukraine will also factor into all this. So there's a significant amount of uncertainty about where we're going to be, you know, over the next year. For sure. What does your gut say? uh, Last question on this topic. What does your gut say about the likelihood of a soft landing, given the last time we were here, there was a policy decision to have an intentionally hard landing to to quicken uh, to quicken the end of a of a high inflationary period. This, of course, being coming out of Carter into the Reagan era, seventy nine to eighty two. Uh, are are we heading in that direction? Do you think a soft landing is possible and quick enough to end the inflationary pain? I think that um, the odds still favor continued growth, but the the margin between mm. um, you know continuing growth and a, a downturn in terms of the probabilities is narrowing. So I think you know continued growth is probably still a fifty percent probability. I think the you know a pessimistic scenario with the recession over the next year or mm-hmm. year and a half is in the neighborhood of thirty to forty percent. Mm-hmm. Um, most Americans are pessimistic right now. I just saw that data this week. There's not too many people who feel optimistic about the economy right yeah. now, Inflation, which is bizarre. Right. I'm mean, not bizarre. No, the makes... unemployment rate is incredibly low, but the the real wage decreases in inflation is taking all the all the optimism, yeah? Looking at consumer sentiment, oil prices really drive that Got or it. have a, a, a really outsized effect on that. So that's that's to be expected. But, you know, keep in mind that there's a lot of good news out there, that the jobs recovery was really strong nationally, even nationally it's been very strong, even stronger here in Arizona. Phoenix, a little bit slower here in Tucson, but unemployment rates are low. And, you know, as I said, in Arizona, the lowest on record. Uh, George Hammond is with us. He directs the Economic and Business Research Center in the other college of management. I'm going to do that a few times just to make up for not doing that at the beginning, George. But uh, like we've said, uh, at least a couple times a year, you do an economic outlook. And before we go to break, I wanted to ask you about this. Your data shows uh, that we are almost the least COVID jobs recovered metro in the state, even lagging the nation. So Arizona is zooming past the nation, but Tucson is even lagging the nation, which lags the state. And it's been that way the last couple presentations you've given. What, what does that mean, and, and why is that, and is it more nuanced than, than all that maybe? Right. Well, you know, I think Tucson's job recovery has been a bit slower than certainly what we're seeing in Phoenix. Um, The data suggests that we are way behind the national economy. But uh, I'm you know, as as time goes on, I'm getting a little bit more skeptical about what we're seeing in this in this data set, which is one of the highest quality data sets that we have, and that's because the 
the source of our slow recovery in the data is really related to what's going on in one industry primarily it's called professional and business services and what's really lagging there is call centers uh, employment agencies and services to businesses like janitorial services waste management and that sector is down a lot from pre-pandemic levels. In fact, it's it's down by about 6,000 jobs. And if that sector had acted in Tucson like it did nationally, even Tucson as a whole would be almost fully recovered uh, from the jobs we lost early on in the pandemic. So it's really what's going on in this one industry, and it's acting so differently in Tucson. And you know, we really haven't seen any reports in the media, that, you know, and warn notices. Um, you know, I'm not hearing any any real conversations in the economic development community that can explain this. So, you know, this does happen occasionally with the Tucson data that that sometimes for a while it's it doesn't reflect what what may really be going on. So I think we're in that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. I think Tucson is behind Phoenix, and, but I, I suspect it's closer to national performance than what we're seeing in the data currently. Interesting. Yeah, that's a big number I wanted to ask you about. We're with George Hammond, and we will be for one more segment. Let's go to our first break of the hour. When we come back, I want to talk about housing prices and housing permits. Uh, then I want to talk about uh, some personal income growth, so maybe some minimum wage stuff, and we'll get into some of those dynamics. We're debriefing your latest economic outlook for the state and the region. We'll be right back. We're just getting started here on Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. Don't go anywhere. The next generation of talk, Tipping Point with Zach Yenser, 1030. The Voice. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash Offer. Zach Yenzo here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson. Located just a few hours down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to love? School's out and summer's here. And now's the best time to come out in the evenings and catch Tucson's professional soccer team, FC Tucson, in action. We're back home June 11th for Forever Pride. Fireworks and a salute to the troops on July 3rd. Celebrating Tucson's birthday on August 20th. And don't miss our defending WPSL Desert Conference champions in action. The FC Tucson women have home games June 3rd, June 19th, June 24th, and July 1st. Tickets start at just $10. Get yours now at fctucson.com. 
Hi, this is Ethan Orr from the University of Arizona, where we apply science for sustainability and economic opportunity. At the Arizona Cooperative Extension, we focus on youth leadership, water conservation, and environmental health. If you'd like to find out more about urban agriculture, youth development, or creating a healthier environment, call me, Ethan Orr, at 520-621-0906, or visit us at extension.arizona.edu. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Hi, this is Tom Sullivan. Join me weeknights from 7 to 10 for the Tom Sullivan Show on 1030 KVOI The Voice. And we're back, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. You're listening live here out of the Common Workspace Studios to Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. George Hammond is with me live in studio. He's the Economic and Business Research Center Director at the Eller College of Management in the University of Arizona. And we're debriefing his latest Southern Arizona Economic Outlook. George, I want to jump right back in. House prices... Uh, everyone should sit down if they're listening right now, uh, rose by 21% in Tucson, higher even in Phoenix, but in Tucson rose by 21% between April 2021 and April 2022. In a one-year period, 21%. Your baseline forecast indicates that housing permits are expected to be actually 1,000 less in 2024 than what is being produced even now. Does that number take into account single family and multifamily? And do you have any kind of optimism that maybe we can build more uh, than that and at least keep our five to 6,000 permits a year where they are? I think we have to create more housing, right? Yes, uh, the, the forecast, which uh, is available on our Arizona's Economy Online magazine at azeconomy.org. You can download the, the presentation slides there, and there's also a narrative analysis of the outlook. Um, right, the forecast does call for housing permit activity to remain strong in 2023 and then gradually uh, come back down to a level that's consistent with population growth. And these are model-based forecasts, and that's that's what drives it. Population change drives housing permit activity. So uh, I do think there's room for some some additional upside in terms of housing permit activity because you know we don't have directly built into the model something that, that accounts for the the fact that we didn't build as much as we needed to be building during mm. the prior decade. Right. So uh, I do think there is some some upside there, but we are going to be facing some headwinds as uh, interest rates. Um, uh, continue to rise. They've already risen significantly in, in the mortgage market. Well, your slides also show the cost of labor and the cost of goods are are crazy right now. Um, and that has to play into this as well. Is, 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 there, is there any breaking point in a good way to the high cost of labor, the high cost of goods, that 21% increase? Is this going to 
even out in the near future, or are we just going to be dealing with these spikes in all these areas for some time? We've already seen month-to-month changes in house prices peak and slow down. Uh, They're still rising rapidly on a month-to-month basis, Mm -hmm. but they're down from the the really strong month-to-month increases that we saw in the summer of 2021. So there is some slowing already built in. Um, you know, I think the, the demand pressure that, that has really contributed to the rising house prices, that's mostly, at least some of that is temporary. You know, the, the shifts re, um, related to remote work, uh, net migration, I think that will slow down as we go uh, into next year. Um, you know, the, the supply issues, a lot depends on what happens with housing inventory, which is, is really low at the moment. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that will start to to, uh, to trend back up, although that hasn't happened yet. The the input side of the of the new construction market, you know, the raw materials prices are still you know up you know twenty percent over the year nationally. Um, wage pressures are up. The labor market is really tight, as we we know from the very low unemployment rate that we're seeing. So you know there there are still some some issues there on the supply side that are going to contribute mm-hmm. to higher prices. This is exactly where I wanted to go before we before we end it. I want there was someone who said that inflation feeds on itself. And so I wanted to get your thoughts on this dynamic of we're seeing the we're seeing minimum wage increases and we're seeing even outside of the floor we're seeing wages have this upward pressure which makes uh, prices go up which creates the need for wages to keep going up which makes prices go up which makes the need for wages to go up. Uh, personal income growth has taken a hit this year particularly so far and we're not even talking the real wage decrease when you factor in inflation so so tell me about that dynamic from what you know so far tell me more about how personal income growth has taken a hit and why and how do wage increases um, fuel this kind of cycle Sure. Uh, nationally and here in Arizona, personal income growth is going to be very slow in 2022, and that's because we've uh, we will no longer have that that huge amount of federal income support related to the pandemic. So we're going to see a big drop off in the growth of personal income after adjusting for inflation. That's going to be down significantly. Mm-hmm. So that was something that that we were all expecting. Um, the uh, what we are seeing as well is rising wages and the big fear in terms of you know sustained elevated re- levels of inflation is a wage price spiral which mm-hmm. you just des- described very well um, that is something that the Fed is is very nervous about and they mm-hmm. will act strongly to, to make sure that we don't have a, a strong wage price spiral developing and that was the you know the big problems in the 70s um, so I think the that um, that there are risks there um, in terms of you know the minimum wage that's that's an area where um, we're still waiting on the data you know it's surprisingly difficult to to, to get high quality data hmm. on wage wage rates and wage that's levels we're, yeah. we're always trying to estimate that so that's something that we'll be talking about as this year goes on your uh, presentation also forecasted Tucson's jobs recovery as I think the phrase you use, gaining momentum. What does that look like and and when? I often ask this question because whether it's Coolidge and Casa Grande or it's the Phoenix area, it, it feels like 
there's job momentum and job growth and new enterprise and new innovation and it feels stalled here quite frankly so give me a little hope this morning that things are gaining momentum Right. Well, I you know I think things are a little better in Tucson than we're seeing in the in the published data at the moment, um, and I think that uh, you know Tucson tends to recover a bit slower. Uh, you know we tend to to typically to to drop a little bit less than than what we see in a typical business cycle nationally or statewide. We recover a little bit slowly, but that recovery does eventually happen. So I think if we hold true to form, I think we'll see some fairly rapid job growth this year and even in. To next year, as we as we get back to you know more normal rates of growth, which you know they're going to be a little bit slower than what we see in Phoenix, m- probably similar to the to the national average. Got it. Uh, last question, and then we'll we'll end on where people can go once again to to see this and read it for themselves, and they can see what I'm seeing. I don't have any special passcodes to anything. This is all up on the internet. Um, but it was interesting to hear Janet Yellen last week say, I was, I was personally wrong. I didn't see this coming. Why didn't the experts see inflation coming at this level? Well, the, you know, the models that, that uh, many economic experts rely on are really keyed into the wage price spiral. And that is something that hasn't developed yet. Um, it, mm. it may not. It probably won't. Um, we're, I think we're more likely to see a, a pretty significant downturn than we are to see a wage price spiral develop. Um, but, but that's part of the reason. You know, the, the standard econometric models that we use are based on normal times and normal relationships. And as we, we all know, during the pandemic, all those normal relationships got blown up. So uh, the, uh, the really rapidly escalating rates of inflation um, caught a lot of people off guard. Mm-hmm. But you want to keep in mind that unemployment is really low. Uh, there are a lot of people who have jobs that, you know, had we not uh, seen the federal fiscal stimulus during the pandemic, we, we may see, we would have probably seen lower rates of inflation, but we would have seen significantly elevated unemployment. So in a pandemic, there's no easy or safe choice. Yeah, I, I, I bring often up on the show that Jermaine Powell chairs the Fed. He was a Trump appointee, a Trump nominee, and Janet Yellen was a Biden nominee. And so there's kind of this bipartisan what happened. And as you mentioned, and, and I won't give my opinion today, there's this policy choice of, as you put it, do you want 8% unemployment and 4% inflation or 4% unemployment and 8% inflation? Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell if I repeated myself or if I said it, but that was the policy choice last year. And I think the policy directed to the direction where we are now, where unemployment is low but inflation is high. And in five or six years, George, you and I will get to have the conversation who was right and, and what was right, uh, no matter what our opinions are today. Uh, where can people go and, and find out, George, uh, where your, your uh, presentation and learn more about what you do? Well, thanks, Zach. Uh, people can find uh, the, the information on our Arizona's Economy online magazine at azeconomy.org. And as always, be sure to visit the MAP dashboard at mapaz-dashboard.arizona.edu. Super. George Hammond, Economic and Business Research Center Director at the Eller College at the University of Arizona. Thank you again for spending your Friday with us and debriefing your latest report. Thanks, Zach. Good to see you. Stay safe out there. Tucson, when we come back, Kim Owens will be with us. She's running for the Arizona Corporation Commission. That on the other side. Don't go anywhere. 
Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell, but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash Offer. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the 70-plus startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges that houses the university's commercialization hub with several other projects coming out of the ground, they are integral in shaping the future of southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. School's out and summer's here. And now's the best time to come out in the evenings and catch Tucson's professional soccer team, FC Tucson, in action. We're back home June 11th for Forever Pride. Fireworks and a salute to the troops on July 3rd. Celebrating Tucson's birthday on August 20th. And don't miss our defending WPSL Desert Conference champions in action. The FC Tucson women have home games June 3rd, June 19th, June 24th, and July 1st. Tickets start at just $10. Get yours now at fctucson.com. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Helping you make better money decisions is what The Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice. And we're back, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you. Happy Friday. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVUI, The Voice, the in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. We just left George Hammond, economist from the University of Arizona, at least a couple times a year. He provides a Southern Arizona economic outlook. So we dug into a lot of data surrounding uh, is a recession on the horizon? What do we do with this inflation? Uh, Why is our jobs rate what it looks like? Housing, we covered it all. So if you missed it, check us out on the podcast, kvi.com forward slash podcast tipping point or on iTunes or Spotify. But we now turn to our conversation. I'll take us the rest of the way through the end of this drive time hour. And that is with Kim Owens, a Republican who is running for the Arizona Corporation Commission. Let's welcome her on in now. Kim, thanks for being with us on a Friday. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. So tell us a little bit about uh, who Kim Owens is for those um, who haven't gotten a chance to meet you or, or hear you. And I ask every candidate for office this. What was your tipping point moment where you got out of bed one morning and said, I am going to run for Arizona Corporation Commission, and here is why. So who is Kim, and and why the ACC? That's a a great question, and every candidate should be asked that question. So I'm an Arizona native. I'm a multi-generational native, and I understand why people stay here and why they move here. And so the value that this state holds is so important to me. 
And the only thing that I think couples that is my absolute belief in liberty and freedom and what that means as, as a people and for our country and our state. So in 2018, when Tom Steyer brought $23 million into Arizona to try to force the Green New Deal into our Arizona Constitution, understanding that if it was passed by the voters at the ballot box, it would be almost impossible to ever change. I knew then that we were in the bullseye of this attempt to push the United States further and further left. And Arizona was where they were going to focus. And part of that is um, there's, there's a pretty low bar here for getting on the ballot, and we have ballot protection. But fortunately, the voters failed that, that ballot measure. It went away. But $23 million is an investment you don't walk away from. So I knew he would be back. And if you want to invoke those types of regulations into our everyday lives, the easiest place to do it is at the Corporation Commission. If you're in the legislature, you always hear the 1631. You need 16 votes in the Senate, 31 votes in the House to pass the bill, and it still has to get through the governor. But the Corporation Commission, the five-member elected commission, can pass regulation that is the same as law with only three votes. So if you look at what's happened in other states where they've passed regulation saying you can't have gas cooktops in your home, that you must have solar attached to your home, those kind of things, regulating how we do everything from heat our homes to cook our food to how many miles we can drive and what kind of car we're going to drive, I knew that the Corporation Commission was the place they would go next. And it has come true. That's exactly where they've gone. That's exactly what they're trying to do. Now, why am I fit for a good fit for this office? Well, first of all, I have never in my life believed that I wait until it's my problem before I decide to get involved. If I see that there's something going on in my community and it's, it's an issue, it's going to affect me sooner or later. But not only that, it's affecting my neighbors. It's affecting family members. It's affecting the community that I love and care for. So I've always been one to get involved. For example, the community we lived in, and I know this will shock some folks that a school board might be making decisions that did not meet the interest of the students or the parents, and that happened in my community. So my husband and I went to the board meeting to see what was going on. Our kids were not in that district yet, but I could see they were making decisions that were not in the best interest of the students or the parents what the parents would want for their kids. So I ran for the school board. But I didn't just run for the school board. I ran in a recall as a write-in, and I won. And then I went on to be reelected five times. Regardless of whether I intended to stay for 20 years or not, I did, and the voters continued to send me, and it continued to be a voice to the community. And then Salt River Project is a large utility in the Valley. It's not overseen by the Corporation Commission. It has an elected board and council. The council members represent the shareholders, or in this case, the landowners who pay the electric bills. The people in the homes and the businesses that pay those electric bills are represented by three council members per district. I felt that our district was perhaps not being represented as well as it could be. And I ran for the council against an incumbent. And again, I won and was reelected to two more terms. So I served 10 years at the Salt River Project advocating on the behalf of the people who pay the electric bill.
making sure the company was run correctly, decisions were made that were in the best interest of both the consumer and the utility so that it was an efficient and affordable service. Then we, uh, in 2020, I was appointed to the Arizona Power Authority, which is the commission, a five-member commission that oversees the hydroelectric power that comes out of Hoover Dam into Arizona. Now, only has 71 customers, but those are big customers, like the city of Phoenix and other large municipalities, as well as, as, well as irrigation districts in our state, that help to keep the price of our food, our fiber, and everything else we need on a daily basis as well as possible. So that gives me a background of both serving the public, understanding public trust, earning public trust, and working hands-on in the regulatory environment around water and power. So it was a perfect opportunity for me to step up and say, I will run for the Corporation Commission to make sure that the tried and failed policies of other states like California and Texas do not creep into Arizona and we're now overtaken by the far left in such a way that it absolutely destroys our economy and our way of life. We're with Kim Owens. If you just jumped in here, uh, Republican running for the Arizona Corporation Commission. A couple nuts and bolts questions, uh, Kim, and I love sure. to get into some issues in our second segment. Uh, there's, let's see if I get this right. There's kind of alternating cycles there for the mm-hmm. Arizona Corporation Commission. One cycle will have three seats up for election. The the staggered cycle you're running for this year has two. Is that correct? Correct. There are two seats of, um, open. There is no Republican incumbent running, and the Democrat incumbent, one Democrat incumbent, is running. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and 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 how would you? What would you say? You sort of hinted at at least one plank, but what would you say is your overall platform for your candidacy for the ACC? And I just I ask because the ACC, uh, many people uh, don't know, is so expansive. You've mentioned water. You've mentioned power, you know, but when I mm-hmm. registered, you know, a new company uh, the, a couple years ago, I had to go on and file with the ACC, and there's kind of a, a business component, and, and, and there's so much that the ACC does. So uh, any other platform points that, that define your candidacy? Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. So there are different divisions. There's the business division, and that's if you're going to file for a new corporation, you have to do that at the Corporation Commission. And one issue that I have strong opposition to is the current practice at the commission that when you file those, that paperwork to become a new corporation in Arizona, you have a choice. You can file it and let them take the time that they feel they need to get it done, or you can pay for expedited service and get it done quicker. Well, I don't know about you, But for me, since when in America do we allow people to buy up for better government? That's a government entity, and if it can be done quicker, if it can be done with more efficiency, it needs to be done with more efficiency. These are the citizens of our state wanting to do business. We should not just take our sweet time in getting the work done to give them their certificates or whatever they're asking for so that they can proceed. Now, I'm not saying that there's anything being done that's untoward or that isn't in the, you know, that people are deliberately delaying these things. But I do think we need to look at a system where there are people who, if they can afford it, they can pay to get their stuff 
quicker than someone who's maybe just starting out, working hard, trying to do the best they can. We need to be fair to everyone. We're with uh, Kim Owens again, candidate for the Arizona Corporation Commission. Uh, We've touched water, utilities, the small business and business component. When we come back, we'll talk some issues. We'll take uh, we'll take some calls, Kim, from uh, any potential voters who want to call in, 520-790-2040, and bend your ear on something. Uh, we'll continue. We'll talk about some issues related to all those topics when we return here. Our final segment on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser this Friday, Drive Time Edition. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. the show check out the podcast at kvoi.com why i love where i live it's a brand and movement that began here in tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live located in the open air mercado san agustin annex just west of downtown it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food drink and other shopping options close by find gifts toys books and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. The economy is moving forward and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. Did you know that Arizona is the first state in the country to implement a program like Earn to Learn has right here to support students with matched college savings? Through your investment, you enable students to leverage their own savings and resources to acquire the life-changing asset of a college education. If you want to be a part of increasing students' earning potential, minimizing student debt, closing the opportunity gap, and putting deserving individuals on a path to success, go to earntolearn.org to find out more. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the 70-plus startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges that houses the university's commercialization hub with several other projects coming out of the ground, they are integral in shaping the future of southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. Hi, this is Ethan Orr from the University of Arizona, where we apply science for sustainability and economic opportunity. At the Arizona Cooperative Extension, we focus on youth leadership, water conservation, and environmental health. If you'd like to find out more about urban agriculture, youth development, or creating a healthier environment, call me, Ethan Orr, at 520-621-0906, or visit us at extension.arizona.edu. Zach Yenzo here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson. Located just a few hours down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to love? 
Zach Yenser here, host of Tipping Point, and I want to tell you that Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee we drink at home and while we're out and about. Run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community, you'll find a variety of great coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. There's also a rumor ice cream is on its way in 2022. To see their full menu and varieties of roasted beans from around the world, visit DecibelCoffeeWorks.com and visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. This is Bill Buckmaster, Pima County's Health Director at noon on 1030 Tucson's Voice for Trusted News Talk. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. You're listening to Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. This segment of this Drive Time Hour is sponsored by our friends over at Decibel Coffee Works, decibelcoffeeworks.com. Uh, a great coffee, drinks, beans, pastries, and more. And rumor no more, ice cream is here in 2022. You can visit them right off the I-10 and Congress at the Mercado San Agustin Annex. Mention you heard about them uh, on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. We're with Kim Owens, a Republican running for one of the two seats this year uh, on the open on the Arizona Corporation Commission. We talked about her platform and vision for the role. Let's go to the phone lines before we get back into the issues. Uh, let's see. We have Matt who's been hanging on. Let's go there first. Matt, thanks for, uh, for, for staying on the line for a minute. You're on with Kim Owens. Go ahead. Yeah. Hey, Kim, here's a real situation involving the ACC here in Southern Arizona and Pima County. Um, a few years back, uh, a community of ours, Ajo, uh, which is uh, basically relies on all of its services via Freeport McMoran's uh, Ajo. And, uh, uh, yeah, are you talking about the water issue? Yes. Well, not just the water. It's all, all their utilities all were affected utilities, right? when, when the commission changed its vote. Now, I can tell you, Andy Tobin held the line, okay? He held AIC. Uh, you know, he was not going to just let them change the rates, you know what I mean? Um, and dramatically, you know, they trebled the rates 300 uh, percent by the vote. Uh, but Andy Tobin, unfortunately, what the, for him, fortunately, he was appointed to a new position with the, by the governor. And um, unfortunately, um, it was a Democrat, believe it or not, Sandra Kennedy, I believe, who changed her vote. Uh, and basically, then it became a vote to go ahead and approve the rates. Now, I'm not against rate changes for, for you know, uh, necessary changes. Uh, I, do, I do accept the fact Freeport McMoran put in uh, significant improvements into that facility, but unfortunately they never, they never went before the board uh, regarding the improvements. Uh, it was about $20 million, maybe over several years, uh, to basically say, oh, by the way, we're going to change the rates. Um, right. and, and and now, I, I just want to say this. Uh, they did agree to some rebates. We are, we are trying to work with, you know, them and the, the community with regards to, you know, the status of the rebates, because now the rebates have slowly started to go away, and now uh, the bills are really starting to kill um, uh, not just the businesses, but you got also the school uh, system. They can't right. afford can't afford their bills. Anyway, that's a real, yeah. real tough issue. I hope you'll you'll look into it when you when you're running. Thank you. Bye, Matt. Great call. Matt, Thank you. Yeah, Kim, yeah, please. Matt brings up a Matt brings up a really interesting point. And 
I, I'm familiar with what happened in Ajo, and I understand. Let me just put it to you this way. I appreciate Commissioner Tobin's position. and But the story in Ajo is being played out all over the state for different reasons. There are about 350 regulated water companies in Arizona, and at, about a year ago, and I can't tell you how it's changed in the last year. I haven't gotten those most recent numbers. But I can tell you at that time, there were 70 water companies that not had not been before the Corporation Commission over 10 years for a rate increase. And while that might sound like, well, either they were over-earning 10 years ago or their rates are just really low, what it really means is they're not providing income sufficient to maintain their infrastructure. So what happens when something really serious goes wrong? Who's going to pay for it? And those the people on the end of the line with that water company are either not going to have water or they're going to be hit with an extraordinary high bill. And I think that's something that the Corporation Commission needs to look at. I talked to someone at Department of Water Resources and asked them what they thought the water loss was just due to deferred maintenance in some of these smaller water companies, and they felt it was up to 50%. Now, that's a lot of water going in the ground. So there was, And those are issues that you can't fault necessarily the owner or the users. We have to find a way to fix that and make it as painless as possible, but it needs to be addressed. And it's, it's the same issue that happened in Ajo, where years of, of backfill just caught up with them. And, you know, the people who weren't there for those decisions are sometimes held accountable to fix it. Now, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think that that's an equitable solution. Kim, thank you for uh, taking that question and answering it. I think, Matt, Matt, do we still have Len on the line? Per- Perfect. Len, thanks for hanging on for a few extra minutes. You're you're on the air with Kim Owens. Go ahead. That's okay. Yeah, I, Kim brought up a great point. Since when do we have to pay for what government is supposed to do? That is radically wrong. And well, Len, I agree with you. That's my comment. You, you are Thank absolutely you. right. Since when do you have to pay uh, for what government is supposed to do? That's right. That's right. If your doors are open, you're morally obligated to do the best you can. And no taxpayer should be forced to pay extra to get the job done. Right. Thank yeah. you so much. No, Len, thank, thank you, you for Len. the – thank you. Thank you for the call. And so, Kim, just a quick follow-up on that. Your position uh-huh. would be then if a taxpayer can pay – to get something done quicker, your opinion is if someone can do it quicker, then it should be quicker for for everybody, regardless of if they pay extra or not. Is that kind of what you're thinking? No one should pay. No one should pay extra. It should be it should be as efficient as as possible every time for every person. Got it. Because when when they take someone who paid extra, that means someone else just got pushed to the back of the line. Gotcha. You know, there, there is nothing correct about a government that's of the people and for the people and by the people with that kind of mentality. Gotcha. Kim, thanks for taking those calls and questions. That's uh, honestly the most fun part of this forum is the forum part, is a live, real-time conversation with real-life people about real-life issues. And uh, th- so thank you. Thank you for doing that. I wanted to ask you about something that's been in the news quite a bit lately, sure. and that was last year – 
there was conversation on the commission around uh, clean energy, greener energy options, mm-hmm. and there was a faction of the commission that wanted to make these locked-in requirements, and there was a, a, a part of the commission that wanted to make these, you know, s- strongly, uh, strong efforts towards doing yes, it, but not... Re- Correct. Um, and there are some serious efforts to shift towards wind, solar, uh, natural gas, uh, maybe nuclear, um, and away from coal. As a commissioner, where would you fall in that dynamic on one side or the other? So first of all, I think mandates are not, that's not good government. So what you do when you pass a mandate like that is you send a message to all the utility providers to say you must do X by Y. And you're eliminating any other potential. So think about when we were fighting tooth and nail to keep our coal plants open, and then fracking came along, natural gas came in, it was cheap, it was accessible, and it completely erased the the conversation around maintaining coal. Right now, the majority of Arizona's power comes from natural gas. Second in line is nuclear. Third is coal. Um, first of all, we have to be have some authenticity and intellectual integrity in what we talk about with renewables and what's the actual cost to that, not just in terms of dollars, but in terms of what does that do to the environment. We talk about electric cars. Let's just take the example of an electric car. They're beautiful. They're expensive. Not everyone can afford them, but what, you know, if you like an electric car, buy an electric car. But do you know that the battery for an electric car, the carbon footprint of the battery production alone is the same as driving a gas powered vehicle for three and a half years. So we need to have some intellectual authenticity around these discussions, but I am not a fan of mandates. First of all, these companies are all investor owned companies. If the investors have a mark, have an appetite, for clean, green, whatever you want to call it, they'll make that known. And the companies can adjust accordingly and the mandates stay out of this situation. Otherwise, they are automatically baked into a rate case. Rate payers are automatically going to pay higher rates whether they receive a better service or not. Got it. Yeah. And I think that's how the commission so far voted, right, was to not do a mandate. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it sounds like many of the large private companies are on board with major shifts in in types of energy by 2035 2050 um we've got less we've got less yep we've got less than a minute kim but do do you Mm -hmm. do you like the fact that we're going to diversify and go to some more clean options is that a good move for the state over the next few decades oh i think it's always a good move with one with one caveat everything has to be based on reliability yeah. The reason I oppose retail competition that is the difference between me and my, my opponents on, in the Republican primary is that retail competition cannot guarantee reliability. And we saw what happened in Texas with the freeze. So whatever we do, it has to first be focused on affordability and reliability. Those those are the words that I think uh, that are I think are important for sure. Kim Owens, your website where people can go and find out more about you. Elect. KimOwens.com. Perfect. Kim, thanks for closing out the week with us here. Best of luck. Stay cool and stay safe out there. Thank you, Zach. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks, Kim. That's it for us here for for the week. Uh, When we come back, our Monday morning news hour. QQ it up next. Bill Buckmaster at noon. Stay cool out there, Tucson. We'll see you Monday.